Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and I'm here with Mike Koenix, and we're doing our next episode, which is actually a continuation of a previous episode. And it's uh, thinking about great who's that you need in your life. And uh, that what you can bring to great who's is that you give great who's to, you give great purpose to great who's. So there's a lot of people who have great talents, they have great skills and everything else, but they can't make up their own purpose for the use of their skills. And that's your And one of the things that Dan does right away, he rips off the old Band-Aid about population and resources and us running out and gives us some evidence of the fact that that isn't happening at all. And the other thing that Dan said earlier today that I thought was pretty funny is great who's are not looking for schmucks. So we're going to talk about how to keep really great people to inspire them, get, get them focused on impact and keep them around as well. So all that in this episode and a lot more. So keep listening, keep watching. So this episode is all about creating purpose for other people and giving great who's great purposes. Dan, you said something very profound earlier today. I know you're going to talk about where it came from, but it's there's only one resource on the planet, and that's human ingenuity. Mm-hmm. And so only human ingenuity makes any, everything else valuable, and there are no natural resources. Who said that, and where'd that come from? Yeah, this is a uh, professor of statistics. I think he was at the... Um, University of Illinois in Chicago. They have a Chicago campus and he's a statistician. So basically he just looks at, you know, uh, statistical trends, statistical proof. And uh, one of the, uh, he was very active, he's dead now, but he was very active in the 50s and 60s where there were a lot of uh, doom and gloom warnings about uh, rising population that was going to create worldwide starvation and uh so uh yeah anyway um he just you know he 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 didn't have any you know he he didn't have a dog in the fight here he was just a statistician so what what he did he says yeah i just wonder what the impact is actually of when populations get bigger what actually happens to um you know first of all food and then what happens, uh, you know, to other aspects of, uh, of people's lives, quality of life. And uh, he, he studied this, you know, for about 10, 15 years. And his research just came to a conclusion right about the time when all the warnings were being made. So it made him a natural foil for, you know, he, he was the positives, positive side of uh, of. Uh, you know, of countering people who are very, very negative. And, uh, and uh, what he discovered is going back through every society he could find that kept statistics and everything else, that there's a, a total positive relationship that the more people you have in a society, the better life gets for, for those people. And that the food is more abundant and, uh, uh, there's more opportunity for them. There's, you know, there's more different things that people can do. Education goes up and, uh, you know, uh, uh, lifespans increase, lifespans. You don't have, you know, infant mortality is, um, you know, for a lot of reasons, but it's uh, extraordinary poverty that causes infant mortality. They run out of food, they get sick, they got bad water, uh, you know, and everything like that. 
Well, this was, I mean, first of all, the, uh, you know, there are certain communities which are totally on the side of the apocalypse and the, and the academic community is one of them because a lot of them get their funding for making really scary predictions. I mean, uh, I mean, if you came out with a paper that said everything's getting better, yeah, you get less funding than if you come out with something that says, no, the world's going to end in 12 years. And unless we totally, uh, you know, we totally cut our lifestyles by 80 uh, percent to save ourselves. And, you know, we go back to walking rather than riding in cars and things like that. You know, all the nonsense. And then Hollywood gets on board and Hollywood, Hollywood loves disaster. I mean, you know, happy stories, uh, you know, they're, they're not the draw that uh, that, uh, you know, um, you know, global, global, you know, global doom is. So anyway, uh, he was kind of like a lonely voice out there, but he just, you know, first of all, he was an error, you know, he wasn't argumentative or anything and, you know, he didn't get angry or anything else, but he says, you give me any prediction and I can show you statistically that what you're talking about is impossible, you know, but just based on way everything that's happened up until now, he says that if you increase your population, everything gets better. Okay. The only thing that will screw it up is the government kind of um, trying to interfere in people's just natural expansion of capability and, you know, and uh, their, you know, their quality of life. So anyway, that that's where this started. And but that one idea and he said, now, here's the reason why people said we're running out of this resource. We're running out of this resource. He said uh, resources aren't discovered. Resources are invented. You know, and he says, and he says, so therefore, there's only one resource, and it's human ingenuity. Everything that we find valuable today uh, wasn't discovered somewhere and dug up. It, it was actually something was dug up, and then you know, human ingenuity transformed it into something useful. You know, so that's uh, that's the basic uh, setting here. And I, I, I have said, you know, that's kind of like the law of gravity. I mean, if it's true, it's kind of like a fundamental law that you should. You know, you should pay attention to increasing human ingenuity. And, uh, you know, and so, so, you know, what are the conditions for increasing human ingenuity? And uh, I think it's um, smart people cooperating with each other. Well, um, and I'll just give everyone uh, one of the quotes, because there's a, an article that takes on what, um, the, what Dan was just talking about here is, first of all, um, it was Paul Ehrlich, Ehrlich who wrote the population bomb in 1968 that started this big um, thing versus Julian Simon, who you're referencing, said humans innovate their way out of resource short shortages and um, that people are the ultimate re resource. Yeah, so um, book, very famous book is called The Ultimate Resource, very, very thick book. And it's just stacked full of statistics. You know, I mean, he's. Uh, you know, this is not a page turner. Yeah. Well, it's it's I'm going to dig deeper in there and I'll make sure that in our show notes, we've got a link to this um, this article. But I do want to um, go down the nest, the the other hole, which was um, giving great who's great purposes. Yeah. And because we just came from a free zone experience today, we had a lot of very smart, successful business owners. And we're always looking for how do we add great team members? 
And uh, Tucker Max is on today. And he said something really interesting. Uh, some of it was, was actually towards the end of our meeting today that I thought was very profound. And he said, I had a big moment where I realized that anytime I feel insecure, I need a who. And so he was going to go off and canceled his meetings to find all the areas that he feels secure or insecure and find some who's and ask himself the question, what competent who's do I need right now? But that by itself isn't enough. We need to give the who's purpose when they work with us or for us, however that arrangement's set up. So can you talk a little bit about giving great who's great purposes? Yeah. Well, the other, uh, you know, the other the, that I want to acknowledge, and this was Dave Osborne, who was a speaker, and Dave is extremely well known, uh, more in Western, uh, Western United States, because he's out of, I think he's out of Dallas uh, uh, or Austin. I'm not sure where, where he's out, but he's a big Keller Williams, so, you know, big uh, real estate, uh, residential real estate brokerage. And, but he's got a lot of different businesses. And, uh, you know, when he talked, it was, uh, yeah, I just really got the feeling of someone uh, who, first of all, has really come to peace with themselves and just kind of knows, uh, you know, uh, where he's a great who for other people. In other words, that he's someone, you know, uh, he can't do everything, but there's certain things he does. And I was very, very impressed with him. But he made a, uh, statement people are asking him, well, you know, what was the, you know, the breakthrough realization you had? And he said, it was really funny. He said, it was the realization that 80% of the most capable people in the world, 80% of the most talented people in the world need someone to give them a purpose for their talents. And I sat there, oh man, that's, I said, wow, you know, I mean, Joe, Joe Polish has this great Napoleon quote that uh, apparently the emperor, Napoleon said that my whole life changed when I realized the man would die for a blue ribbon. All I need is a million blue ribbons. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and, the whole and, thing is that you can be talented and you can have skill in everything, but one of your skills is in giving yourself a purpose. Okay. And then there's a whole bunch of people who aren't particularly talented in this and they're not talented in this. And you can go in a 360 degree, but there's one thing in the middle they're really talented is they have a phenomenal ability to give other people purpose. As a matter of fact, Mark Twain actually wrote a book on that called uh, Tom Sawyer. <laughs> yeah. So I gave everybody, you know, you, you know, there's this fence here and you can paint it. You can be part of the painting team, you know, you know, and uh, I'll provide the paint and the brushes. Uh, but if you don't come up to snuff, you ain't going anywhere near that wall. <laughs> right. You know, well, that, so that, so the whole thing is that w- I think you're great at giving purpose. I think I'm great at giving purpose, but for a lot of my lifetime, I never took that as a serious skill because I thought everybody had it. And, and there was, I don't know who said it. It may have been you towards the tail end of this, which is, what are the biggest purposes that you can come up with for other people's great talent? And when you do that and do it well, you don't have to do any of the hows. And something that popped in, I don't remember again who said this, but the 
notion that um, where we feel resistance as entrepreneurs and business owners is as soon as we think of, we've got this great idea and suddenly we get resistance because we're like, ugh, that means I'm going to have to do this, 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 and this. We get stuck in the doing and the how trap and realize that, first of all, identifying the right how, but then giving them the purpose. Again, I want to deconstruct mm-hmm. purpose for a moment and, yeah. and how to craft the most inspirational purpose for our right fit hows. Yeah. Well, for our you know, who's, I mean, we'll do uh, the how. Yeah. I mean, we have, uh, you know, I mean, we've got some uh, standard uh, tools in Strategic Coach. And the one that I think that, uh, you know, is the easiest and fastest to do it is, um, is the impact filter, you know, where, uh, uh, and, you know, I find that I, uh, first of all, I'm good at doing it for myself, but uh, uh, what I'm doing for myself is actually creating projects uh, that attracts other people's teamwork. Okay, so you know, uh, 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 one of my projects is to write a hundred small books in a hundred quarters. Okay, so I wrote this up as a project. I said, uh, you know, uh, I said, you know, we've already done eighty percent of this. You know, I said every quarter I'm turning out written material, and uh, you know, if you add up the pages, it's. Uh, it's not a huge book, but if you reconfigure it in the right size, and that's probably 40 or 50 pages of stuff. So instead of writing a lot of notes here and a lot of notes here, why don't I just pick a topic every quarter and uh, do the writing on that? And uh, we'll just bring out a book every quarter. And it's not to really sell in the marketplace. It's to reinforce the uh, lessons of strategic coach for, you know, our entrepreneurs and they'll buy extra copies and they'll buy it. And the only thing that I would have is that the, you know, the sale of these materials pays for all the production costs. So in a sense, it's a, you know, it it doesn't really, it costs us time, it costs us effort, but it doesn't cost us any money and it attracts people into the program. So we would have that to go in for it too. So I got started in it and uh, I realized that I was taking on most of the house and I was halfway through the first quarter and I said, oh my God, you know, what did I get myself in? And then I started talking to skills, uh, skilled people we have in the program. And my editor said, look, she said, I'll handle the entire organization of it. So you don't have to think about that. And she said, you know, I, I, I've been li- I've been writing your stuff and editing your stuff for 15 years. She says, just talk to me. So why don't we just have an outline and I'll ask you questions and we'll transcribe it and I'll write it in a copy. But she's not really a writer. And so she got, uh, we did one or two of the books and they were good. They were good books and, you know, people like them. But she said, you know, this is going to wear me out. She says, I'm not this type of writer. I'm an editor. So she said, I have a brother who's actually a copywriter and he's, um, you know, he just finished a major project with a big corporation and he's, you know, he's free right now. Uh, What would you think about bringing him in? He brought him in and then Shannon Waller came in as the interviewer and Shannon's a superb interviewer. So bit by bit, I just made a video on it that we're sending out to all the clients as the 10 people who are on the team, each talking about what their unique ability is and then what the teamwork is like. So that's all driven with an impact filter. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I did is I could give purpose to 10 different people to produce a project. 
once a quarter for a hundred quarters, you know, and, uh, you know, and it's got a, you know, it's, uh, we're good at it. And, you know, there's a schedule to it and everything like that. And, uh, and, uh, it's done a lot of good. And then there's been surprises because some of the books got picked up as major books by a major publisher and, uh, did it. But what I'm saying is that entrepreneurs, I think almost by definition, have the ability of creating a purpose in the future um, um, that um, one uh, doesn't uh, doesn't exist yet. In other words, it's something that's created in the imagination, but they're so compelling and persuasive with it that other people will say, "Well, I'll add my capabilities to that." You know, that's great. I'm I'm good at that. Yeah, I can handle this part of it. And another person says, "Well, I can handle this part of it," but short of the person creating the purpose, those capabilities wouldn't uh, organize themselves to do anything. And that, um, so it really is driven by impact at the end of the day. So the impact filter, I mean, properly named, but it's sort of like, here's the impact you're going to have on the organization. Here are the results, outcomes, benefits, um, yeah, so it has to be them, something I'm not, immediate. I'm actually not telling them how to do it. I'm, yes. saying, I'm saying I'm depending that you'll know what to do with this. I'm just saying what it has to look like when it's finished. And <clears throat> through my lens, from an outsider looking in, um, I, I think in the 15 years I've known you and the eight years I've been in coach, you're creating the best content you've ever created. It's certainly the most engaging, purposeful, and uh, the books are meaningful, applicable. I mean, it, it's like you are really close to the bone and from the outside looking in, it looks effortless just because when we see all this content, you know, that the Mike story I have going on is I'm like, God, I'm 20 some years younger than Dan and I'm like producing 5% of what he is. I mean, and again, my comparison brain, that old comparison brain kicks in and it'll be like, oh, that, you know, that, that little demon shows up and, um, and then the escape hatch is always, well, what's, what is the improper thinking that I'm using here? And it always comes back to, a lack of an impact filter, a lack of a right fit who, and a scarcity mindset. Those are those are the three components of the demon that that exists. And I and I share this with you because I'm not the only one. That's the, something that comes no, up all the, I'm gonna, all the time. I'm going to give you an insight that was yes. partially on our first episode that we just completed a, a bit ago, and this one, and it's your six businesses. I keep going back to Mike's six businesses. And I said, uh, you know, uh, what if uh, Mike six businesses since the 1980s that each of them had a permanent 80%? Uh, in other words, he did the business to test something out. It was always directed at some new new technology to create new opportunities in the just then forming digital world. So you were in a new world and you are creating new vehicles to explore the new world. But what if there's a, a, uh, an 80%, maybe it's not 80%, let's say it's 50%. Out of every project, there's a 50% keeper. And then you use that 50% that you get from one project 
and then it becomes the foundation. It gets stacked. In other words, there, that the six companies are a stack of six fifty percent. Okay, and every time, uh, every time you do one, uh, you you actually get a clear sense of just where your unique impact is and your unique value is. And what I'm saying is that I was 70 before I got the project to write a hundred books in a hundred quarter, you know, <laughs> I, I, didn't have this, I didn't have this idea when I was your age. Okay. Uh -huh. I was 70 and I said, what would be a, a neat thing for the next 25 years that would keep me excited as I got older? And I said, this, this is a neat project. This would get me really excited. And so my sense is that it happens when it happens, but the thing is that your past is really important here. There's there's massive amount. You talk about underutilizes resources. Well, you got a lot of underutilized resources in your own past uh, that could come to the focus. And I think it's a combination of uh, being able to uniquely and superbly let other people tell their story. But now we add to it that their story is half of a collaboration with someone else who's got another story. And you put the two, two stories together to create a, uh, a collaborative breakthrough in the marketplace. So th that's all I'm putting together here from our first session in this session. Another giant wow. I'm going to reinterpret what you just said and turn that into the business opportunity because you know, if you think about what's happened, Dan, by the way, thank you for that. That was amazing. Um, so it wasn't too long ago and we lived in the world of the industrial revolution, right? Where it was all about steel and metal and putting things together and factories and human robots. And human um, and screwing up the machinery. Yeah, right, right. And then wherever we were before that. And then... Uh, if you kind of look at where the big revolutions have occurred, we've had the digital revolution and we're talking the physical like computers and, and gadgets and doodads. And then we've had the software revolution, which changed thinking. I think communications revolution, we've had the app revolution. Now we're having virtual reality revolution where you know the notion of your physical world and then there's a digital world that's so much bigger that you can do so many more things in. And as AI kicks in and we have our AI revolution, spending more time as a valuable being and kind of tying it back to this idea of what are the natural resources, our intellectual capacity to profoundly change the planet with a few ideas and a collaboration is is immensely powerful and um the let's pretend i'm going to dance around with for a little while is orchestrating a new form of a resource a natural resource which is uh story plus collaboration um knowing that the leverage we gain through software communications and digital we've seen what what you know, Facebook has done for human communications for better or worse. Um, uh, there, there are some very profound things that can happen with the right kind of story with all these new tools we have and the 
multipliers from communications and virtual worlds. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to dance yeah, around with that a little uh, bit more. One of the things I've noticed, uh, you know, about, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, since I started coaching actually, you know, and one of the things in the eighties, so I started, uh, my coaching actually, uh, I was a copywriter at a BBDO big, ad agency. And I knew it wasn't my life. You know, I mean, it was uh, copywriting, you know, for it with a big agency where you have really, you know, tight deadlines for about three years is really, really great. Um, uh, uh, it's, it's really great training. Uh, but, um, you know, if it's not your future life, you should get out of it after about two or three years because you've probably learned everything you need. Uh, from that skill. And so I, you know, I just went out and I started coaching and, uh, you know, and it wasn't a big thing then. And entrepreneurism wasn't at the center of, uh, you know, the economy, it was still big, you know, big corporations. And, uh, you know, the personal computer really changed that. I think the breakthrough where entrepreneurs really started becoming major players is with the personal computer and then with software and everything that's happened since then. But the, the big thing is that there, um, there was kind of a weird thing that people were rebelling against the conformity of the industrial age, the big pyramids, you know, big pyramid government, uh, unions, corporations. And my sense is that it was a rebellion. It wasn't actually, it wasn't actually about individual uniqueness. It was about uh, it was about uh, rugged individualism that I don't need to do that. And it, it kind of, you know, it was it, it, it was a rebellion. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a transformation. And what I noticed, you know, is the emphasis on powerful me's who are on stage. And I was looking at because I'm kind of in the self-improvement business. If you want to talk about the industry, I mean, right on. A self-improvement yep. business, and I said, you know, uh, you're going to have to make a decision. Are you? Is your future a personality, or is your uh, is your future a system and a process? Okay. And I said, well, you know, I just don't have the personality for that type of work. And we decided that it was going to be, you know, a system and a process of thinking tools. And that uh, I could coach them, but other people could coach them too. So, you know, we would have a coaching program and we it would grow and everything like that. And I've been very, very resistant to the personal stardom, uh, personal stardom thing, because I've seen that it gets, first of all, um, it forces people into a personality trap. You know, it's like, uh, it's, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, um, Paul McCartney, you know, and, uh, you know, his originality day, uh, stopped the day he stopped uh, writing songs with John Lennon. And the same for John Lennon, you know, John Lennon just yeah. got sort of mean and dark and, and uh, Paul got silly, you know. Yeah. Them, and, you know, there's got, two documentaries. Oh, and the other yeah. one got silly. But when you put the mean and sully together before, it was profound, you know, but neither of them could do profound, <laughs> you know. And, and I, I began thinking that and I began looking at 
people all over, you know, presidential candidates and every everything like that in all areas. And I said, you know, this this pumping up of the individual and making them a star, it, it it's kind of there's an end of the road to it, and the person gets trapped in it, and the, you know, and uh, it attracts group. It doesn't attract uh, collaborators. It attracts groupies. You know, it, it attracts everything. So I began thinking that, and it took me a long time to think it through. And I've been very resistant, as you know, I've been very resistant to the spotlight. You know, it's um, uh, and everything. And I said, you know, there's a trap in this. But I think that we've in our two conversations here, we've actually cracked the code on it. The storytelling is totally beneficial, you know, telling your story and beneficial. If it's not just about you, it's about a collaboration that you're going to do with another story. Right, right. Yeah. And, it's then, a we. and then I'm excited about it. Then I'm because it could be another story. It could be, you know, it could be another story. It could be three stories. It could be four stories. But I think the storytelling is very crucial to um, to uh, getting clear about the purpose that you have that is uh, that coincides in other words it's very resonant with the purpose that someone else has and then each of you has something unique to uh contribute to the collaboration so that's where i'm seeing the work you are doing and that's why i don't think you're back to ground zero i think you've already completed that part and now you're just adding the collaborative part to it Okay. You know, you know um, what? I've been uh, really uh, doing a lot of studying on narcissistic um, personality disorder, and I think that's where this uh, emphasis on just the individual uh, goes. It, it forces you to become very narcissistic, you know. And yes, and and uh, uh, you know, you're 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 popular for all the wrong reasons. You know, you 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 get popular and you. And then you can't change because you've uh, you've you've trapped yourself into a particular image. That is absolutely true. When you look at and I'll, they'll remain unnamed, but you and I know plenty of gurus who eventually start believing their own BS. And then because they're they're stuck telling those same stories, they have to live inside the prison of their own design, which doesn't always allow for an expansive reinvention. Um, so that, that is very deep. Um, so two, two ideas that I want to run by, you. um, one of them is the, the notion of the story. So this is the framework that I, I have thought about a lot. Um, and one of them is just the, the classic hero's journey that Joseph Campbell created years ago. But the, the, technique i guess i'll call it a technique i always use is gathering as much data about someone's future paced life so they have to use the vcr model right it's what's what's yeah. your vision and and frankly the dan sullivan question is the best way to get someone into a future paced version of themselves and um asking them what what life will look like three years in advance and then um, historically, before I knew what the DOS process was, I used a different variation. But, you know, what are the dangers standing in the way or why don't you have it yet? What are the opportunities? 
And again, I usually frame those in what are the opportunities you'd love to take advantage of, but your obstacles stand in the way, right? The dangers stand in the way, all the hows stand in the way. You don't have the right who's. And then when you ask the S, the strengths, I reframe that a little bit into um, if you could spend 99% of your time in your unique ability or superpower, what would that look like? Yeah. You know, what would you do? Yeah. Yeah. So from after you gather that data, all you really do is repeat a movie starring them with you as their Yoda, Moses, Jesus, Gandalf, or guide um, leading the way. And I think the distinction here in this new version is instead of it being a guru relationship, it's a collaboration yeah. relationship. And that's profoundly different than a classic hero's journey. Um, because the guru well, isn't your all, friend, right? Yeah. First of all, uh, you know, that whether it's intended or not, there's a tragic quality to the, you know, to the Joseph Campbell, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, in the end, the, you know, the, the hero is too good for humanity or they're too good for the uh, people, you know, and they're, they're lonely. They're, they're very lonely. They're, you know, they're by themselves. <laughs> and I, said, you know, I, I said, not me. You know. Yeah. No, I'm a big party guy. There's got to be lots of parties. Yep. Yep. Got to be some wine. There's got to be wine and, there's, you know, it's got to be, you know, interesting people and everything like that. So my feeling is that at a certain point, you're cutting off about what is a great human ability is that uh, humans just love learning from each other. Humans love just um, supporting each other. Humans just really love uh, putting two things together and creating something that's much larger than, you know, the sum, you know. And, you know, it goes back to the, you know, the Julian Simon thing that the there's only one resource on the planet and it's human ingenuity. Well, human ingenuity is not predictable. I mean, I, if I understand the word ingenuity correctly, it, by, by definition, you just created something that could not have been predicted before you did it. Yes. I, um, so here's a question that pops up is, so now you've got your who's with great purpose and you've created an environment where they all are collaborating, they're working together and they feel like they're bigger than the sum, but the, the human qualities that p come up well first of all is what will happen when this ends so it's a fear of either abandonment or uh rejection or being forced out of the tribe and on one hand that makes everyone stronger competition's great but how do you create that certainty and that security um and and quell those fears when you've got the right who's, I guess it all comes down to being very clear on what the impact and, and needs are. But what shows up for you when I when I ask that question? Well, I think the, I think the big thing is that you have to uh, tell the past story first that how you got to here, because my sense is that the, um, you know, the way that you're going to do it best in the future is probably uh, based on successes that you've had in the past. 
you know, in other words, I mean, uh, you know, we have that in our uh, 10 times this quarter, we did that. Why you're a great who. And, you know, I asked people go back to the past and I went right back to, you know, like seven years old. And, uh, you know, and uh, and I said, if you want to know what people's purpose is, you can't you can't make it up in the future. You have to go, go look back. And I said, what have the what has this individual consistently done, regardless of the circumstances? What does this individual always come back to? You know, uh, you know, and I go back to seven, you know, I'm 77, so it's 70 years. And I've just had this obsession about uh, people's experience and what you can learn from your experience. You know, and uh, my, my uh, you know, and I have this story about a lady who lived next to us who was uh, 70 years older than me. And I'd go over because they were they were a dairy farm. So we got our milk from the dairy farm. We were a produce farm. So I would go over and get the, you know, the can of uh, the can of milk and bring it back. And but she would always invite me in and, you know, she'd give me cookies and uh, she had spent her entire life in that house. She had never, uh, even for a night, ever not been in that house overnight, uh, 70. And this was before electricity, before, you know, um, you know, all the modern technology. She was born in the 18, uh, 1870s. But I just said to her and I, I said, um, you know, Miss Wetzel, when you were my age, what was going on? What was going on? And then she'd tell stories. But the surprising things, she was telling me stories that she hadn't remembered since she actually had the experience. So I was just asking her a question. I got her to time travel backwards to 70. And, uh, and, what, I, and what I noticed pretty quickly uh, was that adults were a sucker for this. If you're a seven-year-old kid, and you ask anybody, you know, when you were my age, you know, imagine, you know, I'm seven years old. When you were my age, what was going on in the world? Can you remember what was going on? And, you know, you couldn't stop them. They just talk and talk and talk. But the thing that I realized, I didn't realize it at the time, you know, I was seven years old. There's only so much comprehension. And but what I realized afterwards was that until I asked that question, they hadn't remembered the experience. That, that is, uh, once again, activating those little packages, those feelings. Um, and that's really what story does. So yeah, well, the thing is, yeah. what you okay. see is this person cannot just do anything in life. They, they are actually very, very constricted uh, at their early age. There's something that lights them up and, uh, and uh you know, it's good fortune if they have, you know, they have a lot of support early from parents and they, you know, they they get opportunities where they can really demonstrate. But it's a chance thing. You don't know whether it is. But with entrepreneurs, you can see the early pattern. I mean, uh, one thing I noticed, how many of you were making money uh, before the other while the other kids were trying to figure out what they were doing with their pimples? You know, right on. Yeah, I mean, you were already out making money. How many of you, you had to get out there and make money, you know? And, you know, it's just, you know, paper route or, you know, whatever it is, you can see this early going to the streets to earn money. And I said, well, how could it ever be different when you got older, you know? 
So my my sense is yeah. the storytelling that the 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 story that they will create for the future in collaborative form. You have to get them in touch with the story they've actually been living, you know. Because everybody, yes. said, you know, I could have been anything. I said that's a lie. You couldn't have. As a matter of fact, you couldn't have been anything except what you are. Now the question is, are you happy with it? <laughs> Mm -hmm. And where does it go from here? You know, where does it go from here? Yeah. Do you see a, a positive future moving forward? But, exactly. But don't, think, uh, don't see it as this lonely individual. See it as, you know, you know, my, my, my you know, I mean, my goal for when I'm 100 is that I'm collaborating with 10,000 ingenious innovators. Best party in town. Well. You know, I, I mean, I'm doing my part. Um, I mean, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> if there's 10,000 people, there's going to be 10,000 games. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, and everything like that. But I think that everything you've done up until now is probably, you know, I mean, you've, you can sort it out what, what part of it is useful as you go forward. But I think the, the passion for storytelling and that combined with the passion for collaboration seems to me to be, uh, a perfect, um, you know, it seems to be a perfect combination. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Multiplied with and I think you technology were, and I go ahead. Yeah. Were, I think you were wearing it out where it just made the person a star. Then what? You're right. Then yeah. what? Okay, you're a star. Okay, you're telling your story. All right, we got you on the circuit. Guy on TV. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. Now what? I think that was, yeah, it was shallow, a shallow transaction at the end of the day. That is precisely why I, I had to quit. I didn't know at the time why I just had to do it. Well, there's, and, no, multiplier. Um, there's no multiplier. You're right. Yeah. Plus, is, it, plus, it's about them. It's not about the value that they're going to create. Yes. Yeah. Boring. I mean, yeah. damn, I mean, Dan. <laughs> no, no, no. But, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm creating a lot of this stuff as we're talking. You know, it's not like I've been holding out on you. All right. Well, this is um, this is this is more like a uh, symphony as usual. It seems like every one of these episodes is getting deeper and more profound. So keep on taking whatever drugs you take and they're working. Yeah. But this is, you know, I, I can see, you know, if you look at the titans, you know, the so-called titans of, and I can see how they've trapped themselves with their personalities. You know, the, I mean, you can, they're, they're just totally trapped by their personality. I mean, uh, well, I, I, and there was a interesting, I had a personal experience of, I know the limousine company that because it's my limousine company here in Toronto and the, you know, I know one of the partners and he picked me up one day and he said, you know, he said, uh, one of the real treats that I have, he said, that is that uh, a couple of times a year, Warren Buffett comes to Toronto, you know, and he, he comes in, you know, he comes in on a private jet. But he, yeah, he just gets off. He said he just walks down. Nobody's with him. And he always asks if he can sit in the passenger seat when he go because he likes talking and you know, we know each other and we've talked and, you know, and 
and he's got a number of meetings and he says, you drive him around and, uh, you know, he said, uh, I'll just have to phone and he phones somebody. And then there's somebody waiting, you know, waiting at the, you know, at the street when he gets there and they just take him in. He's got no one with him. He's got no assistant with him. There's no bodyguard with him, nothing. And then he picks him up at the end of the day and takes him back. And he says, yeah, he says, uh, it's great. We'll see you next time. You know, what is it, 80, you know, 80 billion, 90 billion, whatever the money is. Story I read about uh, Mr. Zuckerberg that uh, they, full time, all the security guards they have for Mr. Zuckerberg and, uh, you know, for his wife and for his children and uh, Cheryl Landsberg, you know, and a few other people at the company, it's like 60 or 70 security and they have, they have safe rooms and they have secret tunnels and everything. And, you know, you look at the numbers, it's 80 or 90 billion. So 80 or 90 billion here, 80 or 90 billion here. Why, why one of them, you know, guarded like a tomb and the other one carefree, you know, carefree. Well, yes. Yeah. No. It, yeah. Maybe, what a, maybe it's what each of them is trying to do. <laughs> and they've developed a reputation. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, I, I get a feeling that, uh, you know, uh, that destroying things is really a pleasure for one of them and building things is really a pleasure for the other one. I got nothing on that one. I, I, it's, <laughs> no, uh, no, I mean, other than want, it just makes get, sense to me. We don't want You're to right. We don't want to get canceled here, but, you know, I mean, it's common that we're, we're just talking about common knowledge and, yeah. you know, and the thing is when it's about you and, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, at a certain point, uh, seen that before. You're right. The, I, I don't, we in, we've talked briefly about this in the past, and I don't have anything to add other than it is really fascinating. And uh, um, I part of me says, well, I wonder if it's the times, but it, it definitely is the persona and um, the anger that's behind it. Um, there's certainly a, a certain amount of billionaire resentment that exists in our world today that that you know both of them have, but. Um, but, but you've, you know, I, I think you've been to Omaha, haven't you? Haven't I you? sure have. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's like a family reunion every year. They have 40,000 person family. Yeah. Reunion, you know? No, they're, they're just walking through the halls. Now they've got an entourage. They do have security around them, but it's, it, it's very different. There's no question. Uh, every bit, all the energy is unique. Well, not uh, only that, but they're just talking about how they're seeing things, you know, how they're. See, right. see, world, you know, I mean, uh, I'm, I, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I haven't met either of them. I haven't been there, but, uh, Jeff Madoff, uh, teaches at the new school in New York and he has, you know, he has prominent entrepreneurs in as guests for his students. Uh, and, uh, he had Kathy Ireland in and, uh, I remember Kathy, that. Yeah. And Kathy, uh, boy, she was terrific. I mean, uh, uh, she came in, you know, and she, you know, she, her, you know, she, I think her father was a farm labor union organizer or something, and she grew up. <clears throat> um, 
she grew up near Santa Barbara, I think, you know, not, not Santa Barbara, but someplace else. And, uh, you know, when she was, um, you know, when she was 12 or 13, uh, she went to the newspaper and she said, I, uh, I want to be a paper boy. And she, he says, you're not a boy. And she says, no, I'll be the first. That's not. And she says, she said, uh, you won't regret this. I'm better than any of them. And, uh, you know, and she, <laughs> she won the award for the best. And then one day, you know, she was 16, 17 and, uh, looking like she looks and she was just walking on the beach and a agent, uh, talent agent from New York, uh, a modeling agent came up and said, uh, you know, uh, you're unique looking, you're unique looking. And she said, you've got something that nobody else has got. And if you're interested, um, you know, we'll put you in our internship program and everything else. And they went home. She talked it over with her parents and her parents said, uh, <clears throat> yep. Yep, yeah, you're not gonna get where you need to go by being a paper girl, <laughs> you know, and everything like that. And uh, and very very clear that she knew it was a bridge out, but it wasn't a destination, you know. And uh, very self composed and everything. And she became the tomboy tomboy agent, you know. She was the only, you know, model like that looked like a tomboy, and she's tall. I mean. <clears throat> It was so funny because Babs and I went up to say goodbye. And the first thing that when Kathy Ireland saw Babs, she looked at her feet and Babs is wearing flats, you know. And uh, so Babs, right. you know, Babs is about three inches, probably three inches taller than she is, you know, but really gracious and nice and everything else. But she's got a $2 billion, uh, you know, company or Kathy, KI, you know, global, KI global. And she's just got a single focus. She's got something for women from the time they're 18 until the time they're 75. And she's thought through their life and everything they're going to need, the stages they're going to go through, education, products, and everything like that. And, uh, you know, and uh, this is a terrific person. But, uh, you know, one of the investors in her thing is Warren Buffett. So she goes to Omaha and she said, uh, Charlie and uh, they were both paper boys. And she said, they're good, but they're not that good. <laughs> it's all, all in the wrist, you know, she says. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they, yeah. you know, they've got a big yeah, team there, right? Got, uh, and it's all collaboration. She just collaborates with people, you know. Yeah, that that'll be another episode. I'm going to make a note, which is. um how to do the collaborative deals, you know, yeah. so the, so both parties feel good and win. I'd love to get into structures um, in the future. Cause I was thinking if she's, right. if she's done it all with collaboration, she's clearly created um, financial wins inside her own platform that motivates and keeps people motivated and happy. If she was able to keep it together, she's playing the long game. And um, that, that would be super fascinating. Yeah. So what do you say we, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. But the, the big thing here is that I think that, uh, you know, there's a total, um, uh, you know, uh, value you can create for all the free zoners of putting together a fast way to put together their story, you know, uh, that uh, prepares them better for collaborations. That, um, 
That is a really, really good idea. And that is precisely what this survey, I've got to, I'm going to spend a couple days thinking about what has to be gathered so the survey can be told to create collaborative opportunities. And do you think that's something that could be a workshop or a form? So there's sort of like multiple lever levels to it? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I just start off, uh, I always start off, uh, can the thing I, uh, I'm thinking about, can we do it on a sheet of paper? You know, can we do it on one sheet of paper? And the reason is uh, you want a sheet of paper to start a conversation because 50% of the creative team here is the check writer. You know, uh, yeah, I was talking to Peter right. Diamandis and he said that this billionaire guy who sold out was talking about creating a new startup company. And uh, he was yeah, saying, who do you want on a startup company? What kind of people do you want on a startup company? So they had a long list and it was kind of like, um, you know, the what was the um, place out in the desert that Lockheed uh, created? It was, it was a name, Skunk Works. It was, yes. kind of like a skunk work. it was kind of like a skunk works, you know, this kind of person, this kind of person. And we got to the end and Peter said, can you think of any some, uh, anyone else? And I said, yeah, you're missing 50% of the team. And he says, what? And I says, uh, uh, adventurous check writers. I said, how are you ever going to be able to price it if you don't have check writers on the team? <laughs> right. I say, I mean, you spend two years creating something and you have the foggiest idea of what the price, you know, what's, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know, and I, I think basically, I, you know, um, there are people, you know, and you've already done it with Charlie. I mean, to a certain extent, you've already done it with Charlie and Charlie, you know, Charlie can uh, help you tell the story here. But, you know, my, my sense is that, um, uh, you know, in your past is all the reason. Well, first of all, it tells you all the value you can create just because of your past experience. Whether you're a collaborator or not depends on how much of the future you'd like to share with other people. Yes. I mean, if there's only room for you in your future, then it's not an interesting game. <laughs> yeah. And that, yes. And, um, and having the capacity to um, be uncomfortable, you know, because because again, it's and I think there are some people who are so comfortable in their little space and so focused on control that that is a that's a hard no for a true collaboration to work. Yeah. Um, I know one of the people in the in in a meeting today mentioned something like that. He says, "I I haven't done collaborations because I was so focused on control." And um, and I've actually had some experiences with that person, so I, yeah, I know the. I think uh, you know uh, that's a really good, uh, you know, because uh, you want to be in control or you want to be in charge. You can't be both, you know. Mm -hmm. Being in charge means that you're the one that gives the vision. You're the one that brings electricity. You know, you you bring a lot of energy to it uh, or control. I said you can't be both. So true. So true. Well, what do you say? Uh, okay, we wrap up. Let's wrap land up. the spaceship. So, um, how are you? Uh, further, how are you further ahead? I've gotten a lot that's brand new, just because of the discussion. Me too. I've got a lot of big notes here. So, um, I think for 
as usual, the best thing you can do, a listener, viewer, is visit Capability Amplifier. There we've got show notes and uh, everything's typed up for you. And of course, share this with someone who you know would uh, benefit from it. And lastly, if you would like to get um, my notes and also transcripts, there's a way you can do that. And the process, I have the phone number here. I got to find it. Oh, here it is. Just text the letters CA to 858-434-5316. It's also a place where you can leave a message for Dan or myself. And you can do that also on the website at capabilityamplifier.com. So that's what I got, Dan. Anything else? And five stars are the only things that mean a lot. Five stars, lots of love. Exactly. All right. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. 